Good morning, everybody. All right. I want to send my greetings to those of you who are in our campuses today in Waterbury, New New Milford, and Derby. And for all of you who are watching online today, uh, welcome. So glad that you're tuning in in that way. And for those of you here at Bethel in front of me, good morning. It's so good to be here and, um, and share God's word with you today. I have a quick question for you. How many of you could use some rest? Yeah, if you're not in the room right now, there was an audible groan of sorts that came from folks. How many of you online need some rest? How many of you in our campuses need rest? I would imagine that all of us at some level would say, yeah, that sounds pretty good right now. A little bit of rest sounds good right now. Maybe coming through the last few years, a lot of rest sounds good right now. Not just a little, but a lot. And uh, today I want to talk to you about how Jesus is refreshing. Praise God. You know, a lot of times in, when we read the Old Testament, we read folks who were trying to follow the Lord, and as we come into the New Testament and Jesus comes on the scene, people are trying to, to follow the law perfectly, and there's this group of people called the Pharisees and the religious leaders who were out there making sure everybody was following the law exactly to the T, and it was a really pressured situation to follow the Lord. And that, that yoke, as we're going to talk about in a while, was heavy and hard. Praise God, we have a Jesus that comes and lifts our burdens. We have a Jesus who meets us in our weariness. And here's the thing I want to tell you, among other things today, is that Jesus wants to meet with you. So the question becomes, will you meet with him? to receive this rest. You know, there's this, this phrase in our, in our culture that sometimes, and I've used it, you know, uh, confessing here, I, I've used it with my girls, you know, when they get tense or something. I know you, you've got this picture of the Maori household, right? Okay, but the things, you know, it gets hot in there sometimes with the, the, the girls, you know, they get, they get upset by things. And, and sometimes I'll say, just relax, Right? I want to know, has that ever worked in the history of the world with anybody, right? Particularly adults. Say that to an adult next time they get a little bit bothered. Just relax and see what happens, right? Take your fighting position at that moment. Just relax. It's kind of a funny saying. Never in the history of the world, I think, did a parent say, just relax. And the kid was like, you know what? You're right. Um, I'm just going to take a moment to breathe here and, you know, consider what's happening in my life right now. It just doesn't happen. Just just relax. I did a little research and I found the things that people turn to for rest. A lot of people turn to reading a book, which is good. Many people turn to going and taking time off and vacationing or just spending time away from the busyness of life and and that's good as well. Um, I found a couple other things that were pretty interesting to me. One was eat slowly and that brings rest. Unless you live with a big family, that leads to hunger, right? Like, you, you eat now or you don't, don't eat. And there are all these different tools. You can go online and find out all these research done about how to find rest. Um, but actually, as you look at each of them, it's temporary rest. That there's one place you can go where you can receive eternal rest. And not just rest from, you know, the business of life, but rest for your soul, See, sometimes I, I think that we're, we're, we're going after a rest that's not deep enough. It's just on the surface. It's just to get by.
goodbye. It's just to continue into the next season, the next chapter of life. But the, the rest that our Lord Jesus has to offer is a rest for our souls. And I want to talk to you about that today. We're in Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. You can turn there. Again, bring your, your word with you uh, on phone or uh, in, in physical copy, however you want to do that. We're in Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. And that's where we're going to camp out today. And I want to share a few different things with you from this passage. Um, I want to just kind of land some truth on us today, if that's okay. I just want to throw out some truth on us. And, uh, and I'm praying that the Lord would just let it settle in our hearts. Uh, let, let me just kind of go through this passage again. Mainly, I'm going to be in verse 25, verse 28, but we're going to hit several things throughout here. And, and I just want to share a few things with you. Because uh, I, I want us to experience rest. I want us to be a, a, a group of people, a church, that actually travels through this world in a different way. I'd love for us to be in a place where we receive the peace and hope and joy and the rest of Jesus Christ so that others would take notice and say, what, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why, where are you getting this from? And we're able to say quickly, Jesus Christ, and give the testimony of it. And so here, here, here it starts in verse 25. It says, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. So our passage today starts with Jesus praying. Later, it will switch to him beginning to speak to the disciples. You have to make that, that distinction. But here, he's, he's praying to his father. And so at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Let me just give you a little context to this because it says at that time. Whenever you see at that time or therefore, those kinds of words, know what it's there for. And so it's at that time. What's happening at this point in Jesus' ministry is that he has begun to preach and teach. He's done the Sermon on the Mount. He's sharing about the kingdom of God. Uh, he's, He's come out in that way to share what the kingdom of God is, what it looks like, how to live in the kingdom, how to follow him. Not only that, he's been performing forming miracles. Uh, in many of our stories, it says that people brought folks to Jesus and he healed every single one of them. So, so he was not hiding anything at this point. He was fully out there sharing the good news and, and drawing people into this kingdom at this time. Now, what else is happening at this time is that Jesus, he's developed this crowd of people who are following him, but there are some dissenters at this point. Some people that don't like his ministry, uh, don't like the power that he's sharing. Um, to be honest with you, they're the religious elite. They're the people who don't like the fact that Jesus is having more power. He's, it seems like he's more in charge than they are, and they don't like that. We're supposed to be in charge. We're the Pharisees. We're the religious elite. We're the ones that everybody looks to. Now Jesus is coming in. And they don't like it. So they, he has these dissenters. So it's at this time that Jesus prays this. So he's showing and telling about his kingdom. And he also has people who are following and people who are coming up against him. That's an important note to make. And so at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, you're Lord of it all. Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. (laughs) Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. Now, here's the second part, and for revealing them to the childlike. This is a great lesson for us when it comes to being able to see, experience, and know the things of God. First thing I want to share with you, first truth I want to share with you is this, is that pride is a robber. Amen? Pride is a robber. 
pride robs us from being able to see the things of God. Now catch this, it says, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things. Let's talk a little bit about this. What's Jesus implying here in this phrase, thank you for hiding these things? What are the these things? Well, the these things are the things of God. The things that, that Jesus is bringing in, this, this kingdom that he's bringing in, um, this teaching that he's bringing in, all these things that point to God. It's the very presence of God in Christ Jesus among the people. And so all the things of God and the kingdom activity of God, these are the things that he's talking about. He's not talking about the things of this world. He's talking about the things of the kingdom of God. He's talking about how God moves and how he was moving right there in in their presence. So all the things of God, that's what Jesus is talking about. Thank you for hiding these things, the things of God. Uh, now, listen, we need to talk about this word hiding. What, is this, what does this mean? Um, the hiding here, I believe, is not because God is keeping himself from some people. I truly don't believe that this is God saying, yes, yes, you know what? I'm, I've just revealed myself to some people. I don't want to reveal myself to other people. And so that's how it's going to be. No, no. We know that God sent Jesus for all people, right? Let me take you to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. It says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. So this is a call uh, from the Apostle Paul to pray for all people. That word all is significant, all people. How about this person? Yes. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. And I love this. This is Paul basically saying, just in case you didn't believe me when I said all, pray this way for kings and all who have, are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior. So there's this great call to pray, to pray for all people, to pray for our leaders, to pray for those who are in authority. This is probably a good moment just to pause right here in the context and the relevancy of our moment in history right now as it's almost election week. We need to pray for our leaders. I want to encourage you to exercise your, your civil right to go and vote. But more importantly, and first and foremost, I want to call the church to pray. Pray. This is actually what we're really good at. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God within us. And let's pray. Let's pray for those who have put in, been put into authority. This is what Scripture clearly calls us to do. And so as we vote, let's go on our knees and pray and pray and pray for the leaders that are appointed into positions. That was an aside. Let's get back into this. Verse 3. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved. Seems pretty clear, right? And to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man, Christ Jesus, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This seems to be the heart of God, is that God wants all to be saved. His heart is for every person he has created to come into saving knowledge of who he is. And so the hiding here that Jesus is praying about, the hiding here has more to do with us than it does with him. God has made a way for us to see and know him, but now it's up to us. I, I love that show. I used to watch it quite a bit, Seinfeld. Now, if, if, if you're younger, you might not know Seinfeld, but 
You should know it. It's a good show. And, 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 and there's this one character, and his name was George Costanza. Does anybody remember George? Good old George? Yes? Okay. Come on. Yes. He, he had this famous breakup line. Do you remember the famous breakup line? When he was breaking up with, with, a, with a woman, he would say, it's not you, it's me. Right? He, he did that all the time. It's not you, it's me. Really, what's happening here is the hiding is really, it's, it's, it's us saying, Lord, it's not you, it's me. It's us. In fact, just verses before this, Jesus addresses three towns. This is not a list that your town wants to be in, by the way. And Jesus says, Chorazin, he says, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum's where he, he really grew up. And, and these were three places where Jesus did his ministry. These were three places where he, pro- he preached, where he taught, where he, he, he did miracles. He revealed himself to these people, but these towns, they went away from God. They, they disowned the Lord. They, they walked away. And Jesus, he's saying, listen, this is, this is what's happening here is that people are having to make a great decision whether they're going to follow me or not. These towns, these people in their own pride allowed their pride to block what he was doing. You know, friends, looking through the eyes of pride hides the things of God. You can't see him when you're focused on yourself. And then I love how Jesus, he, he transitions this and, 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 um, and he begins to talk about who the kingdom of God is revealed to. But before that, he says, from, from those who think themselves wise and clever, these are the ones who won't see the kingdom of God. And I love that word think, by the way. These are the people who won't see the kingdom of God. From those who think themselves wise and clever. Pride's a nasty thing. It does amazing things to damage our walk with the Lord. Pride makes us feel like we have everything under control. That you know what's best. That you don't need anything. No outside help necessary. Pride makes you feel smart enough, strong enough, capable enough to go it alone. No need for God. Pride is a dangerous thing. And that's why I say pride is a robber. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here. Pride is the thing that robs us from seeing, experiencing, walking in, and knowing the things of God. Second thing I want to share with you is this. Because Jesus gives us the opposite. Humility brings clarity. Amen? Humility is what brings clarity. Because Jesus gives the opposite. He says, and for revealing them, what's the them? The things of God. Thank you for revealing the things of God to the childlike. And so really, God's not hiding these things at all, but what he is saying is when you have this pride in your life, you're not going to see them. But when you come to me with childlike faith, that's when you're going to see the things of God. That's when you're going to be in tune with the Spirit of God. To be childlike is not to be naive or simple-minded. To be childlike is to fully trust in your Heavenly Father. Notice he doesn't say childish <laughs> to those who are childish, throwing tantrums and things like that, which I'm sure none of your kids do. He says childlike. Childlike means that a child is dependent on their mother and father. In this kind of way, when you are childlike, fully dependent on your heavenly father, this is when you begin to see the things of God. You want to see God move in your life? Practice humility. Humility is accurate. It's accurate. 
a humble person realizes their greatest need in life is Jesus Christ. A humble person knows that they are a child of God. A humble person knows their need for Jesus in every season. Not just in the desperate season, but in every season. Humility is accurate, and it's inviting, and it's, it's the posture of a learner. And it's humility that's blessed. Humility shows, says, show me your ways, Jesus. Humility says, speak to me. I need your help, Lord. Humility says, heal me. I can't do it on my own. Humility says, what are your plans, Lord, for this day? It's the humble person that is great in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says in verse 28, and I love this passage, you probably know it well, but he says, come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens. And the next thing I want to share with you is this, life is difficult. Amen? (laughs) Life is difficult, isn't it? Life can be challenging. Some of you right now are in a deep challenge of life. Life is is difficult. And if you've been told, you know, give your life to Jesus and everything becomes easy, you were lied to. No, we are fighting against the darkness and the evil of this world. We're on the forefront of a great battle. And praise God, we have the spirit of the Lord within us. But life is is difficult. And in this passage, Jesus gives a description and then an invitation. And the description is this, is that he's acknowledging, listen, life is difficult, and I know that there are some of you who are feeling weary. And right now, there are some of you who are feeling weary. Weariness comes when a person is exhausted from their work or their journey. In some of your translations, it uses the word labor, those who, who labor. And in this context, it, it means those who are, are striving to do it all by themselves without any help and keep finding themselves worn out from it. Are any of you trying to go at it all by yourself without turning to the Lord, without inviting him into your circumstance and situation? Are any of you trying to battle without the Lord? Are you weary? Are you worn out? And then he gives this descriptor those who are carrying heavy burdens. This is when a person is weighed down heavily by something. And the people at this time were weighed down heavily by the Pharisees and those trying to make sure they they kept the law to a T and just never being adequate enough. Your burden might be different. You might be carrying a, a heavy burden that's a health journey for you right now. Or maybe you're carrying this heavy burden of just not knowing who you are or why you're here. Or maybe you're carrying a heavy burden of a loved one who's turned their back on you, or maybe they're struggling. Maybe there's just some kind of um, divide between you and them. Or maybe you're carrying a heavy burden because you made a mistake, and you're having to live in those consequences now. Well, Jesus is speaking to those who have been trying to handle life on their own. Those trying to measure up to the expectations. Those who are drained because they have been trying to appease and look good in front of others. Those facing heavy burdens. And he gives this invitation. And I love there's so much in these three words. Come 
to me. Come to me. I love how Jesus gives this personal invitation. There's nothing between you and him. Come to me. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor. You just need to turn your heart to the Lord. Come to me. You can come to Jesus personally. He's inviting you to come to him. He is the answer to our weariness, and he is the answer to the burdens that we try to carry. Jesus. Last thing I want to share with you is this, is that Jesus offers rest. Verse 28, he says, I will. Whenever Jesus says, I will, you can count on it. Bank on it. I will give you rest. What is rest? Is it reading a book? Is it eating slowly? No, it's much more than that. What is rest? Well, first, rest is not the entrance into a burden-free life. I wish that were the case. Jesus does not release us from burdens. He himself experienced great burdens, illness, calamity, tragedy. These things remain a part of this fallen world until Jesus returns. But for those who choose to walk with Jesus, there's this promise of his sustaining help and his presence with us. See, when Jesus offers us rest, I believe he's offering us two things. The first is a freedom from, and the second is a freedom into. See, the rest of Jesus is a freedom from the brokenness of our lives, a freedom from the sins that, that captivate us, the freedomness, freedom from our brokenness, the freedom from other people's brokenness through the forgiveness of Christ Jesus. But also, his rest is a freedom into Freedom into his presence, into his truth, into his hope, into his peace, into his joy. The greatest place to be is in the presence of Jesus. And here's how you receive his rest. Verse 29, it says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Here's how you receive the rest of Jesus. You take his yoke upon you. Now, this word yoke was really the way of a rabbi, how a rabbi taught somebody to live. What Jesus is saying is, listen, you can take on my yoke, take on my way for how you should walk in this kingdom. And when you do that, you're going to experience rest. So let's take this further and find out, well, what is his yoke? Well, Jesus was very clear in his word about what we're called to do. Here it is. John 6, 29. Let me share two verses, but John 6, 29 says this. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. I love that. Let me just make it clear for you. This is what God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. What it means to take on the yoke of Jesus is to believe him. Step into faith. Listen to him. Follow him. Don't try to make up your own plans and your own ways. Stick to his plan and his ways. If he said it, practice it. If he said it, believe it, trust it, and walk in it. Let me take you to one more passage. I'm going to take you to Matthew 22, verse 37. This is Jesus answering somebody who asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And this is the yoke. This is the way of Jesus. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And how do I know this is the yoke of Jesus? Because then he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Focus on these two things, and you're going to be walking in the way of Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, I wonder, do you need to respond to this invitation today? Come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Maybe you've been going to other things for rest. Come to me. Come to Jesus. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I love the fact that Jesus isn't saying, come to me once you get your life all settled. (laughs) Come to me once things are going perfectly for you. Come to me once you look good. Once you've prettied yourself up, then come to me. No, he's saying, come to me, warts and all, man. Come to me while you're weary. Come to me when you are heavy burdened. Come to me with what you're dealing with. Come to me now, and I will give you rest. I want to close by telling you the best way to receive this gift of rest from Jesus. Do you want to know the best way? You know, we're often YouTubing the best way to do things. I found uh, on, um, on this one survey that was done the, the, the most searched best way videos. Best way to make money. How many of you have searched that one? Best way to learn Spanish. That was the, that was the second one. Best way to lose weight. <laughs> and then this one, I don't even know what this means. Best way to find diamonds in Minecraft. <laughs> I don't know. So... Apparently, that's what people are spending their time. They're making money, learning Spanish, losing weight, and finding diamonds in Minecraft. Maybe one way to lose a little bit more weight is to stop playing so much Minecraft. But anyway, it just came to me. just came to me. (laughs) I want to tell you the best way to receive rest, okay? The best way. This is so simple. You might walk away today and say, man, that was a a simple message. Yeah, it's, it's this simple. The best way to receive rest from Jesus is to sit with Jesus. Sit with Jesus. If you never sit with Jesus, you will always find yourself racing with the world. Sit with Jesus. I want to challenge you in this week to spend time with Jesus. You might think, well, of course. (laughs) No, I, I want to really challenge you to spend time with Jesus. If you're not, if that's not a regular rhythm, I want to tell you, make it one. If you want the rest that the Lord has to offer you, it comes from sitting with Jesus, sitting in his presence, opening his word, asking him to speak to you. Do you know that the Lord can give you a word in an instant that will bring you life, that will unshackle you from the things that you're facing? Do you know that the Lord, what if I were to tell you that obstacle, that challenge, the Lord had a word for you tomorrow morning and you need to go get it. Would you go and meet with him? The Lord wants to speak to us. He wants to refresh us. He wants to teach us. He wants to challenge us. He wants to convict us. But you've got to make the choice to sit with him. Sit with him. Sit with Jesus. Learn from him. And hear from him. And take him up on his promise. Jesus, you said, 
that you would give me rest. I need rest. I need that, that rest for my soul, Jesus. Come and minister to me by, my, by your presence. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for, for us. Because I believe the Lord is going to come and minister to us. When I said, do you need rest, you know, 27 minutes ago, pretty much all of you were like, ugh. <laughs> well, Jesus is offering it. He wants to give you rest. Let's sit with him this week. Let's spend time with him and ask him to make good on his promise. Lord, come and give us rest. Let's pause now and pray together. Lord, we're so thankful for how good you are to us. You're so good that you want us to experience your rest. Lord, there's much to do for your kingdom here on earth. You've given us a great purpose and a great mission. But Lord, we will be unable to be effective if, if we're not resting in you. If we're not receiving from you, if we're not hearing from you, so, Lord, I pray that Walnut Hill Community Church would be a group of people, a body of believers that eagerly seek your face, that constantly are walking out with words from you. And so, Lord, we just pray for your rest. For anybody right now that just is, is weary, carrying a heavy burden, oh, Lord, I just pray that you would come and move in power. Just pray that you'd come just right now, even in the stillness in this place, that you'd minister your great love and your peace. Oh, Lord Jesus, we're calling on you. We bless your name.